Welcome to week number four of Family Month. We're so excited from all the wins that we're hearing week after week from all of our campuses. People are drawing closer to God, families being reunited, health and growth happening. Let me take a moment and explain to you what is happening at all of our locations right now. We have nine locations here in the U.S., three outside of the U.S., and at all of our U.S. campuses, you're going to see a different face. I'm having a different campus pastor speak at each location. I wanted all of our campuses to know that you are part of one church. And today you get to experience a message from one of our other campus pastors. And so I want you to cheer them on as if he was your home campus pastor. The other thing I wanted to remind you about is the month of October has been designated as Pastor Appreciation Month. When your campus pastor comes back next week, I would love for you to honor him. I'd love for you to help me to make sure that our pastors are being taken care of, that they're being honored, that they're being valued, that they're being appreciated. And the reason why I'd love for you to do that is because 90% of pastors have been reporting that they work 55 to 75 hours a week, and they still feel like they're failing as a pastor. Last year alone, 4,000 churches in America closed every single month 1,700 pastors were leaving ministry. That's not at all what we want to see here at South Hills. We want to see the South Hills story of pastors who are being honored, who are being valued, who are being taken care of, and that are doing ministry for the long haul. So as your campus pastor comes back next week, do me a favor, write him a card, give him a gift card, take him out to lunch, buy him dinner, just let him know how much you love and appreciate him. Thank you for being so generous. Thank you for partnering with me and making sure that all of our churches and all of our pastors are being recognized. Amen. <laughs> um, with no further ado, please put your hands together for our Riverside campus, Pastor Ozzy Vaca. Come on up. Thank you, Pastor Ozzy, for Thank being you. with us this morning. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's incredible to be with uh, you guys this morning. Um, as Monica said, my name is Ozzy Vaca, and uh, I have the privilege of being with you guys this morning. I am the campus pastor at our Riverside location. Uh, I pastor both our English campus um, and our Spanish campus. And uh, I am honored to be here when uh, Pastor Monica said that uh, there was food and sandwiches after the service. Um, I said, I want to come to this church now. Um, but in Christmas, we do give out tamales. So if you guys like tamales, you guys are welcome to go to Riverside. Uh, we have tamales in Christmas only, only on Christmas Day. Uh, but once again, my name is Ozzy Vaca, and uh, I am 42 years uh, young. I am married, my wife. My kids couldn't come today because for the first time ever, my wife has to speak to the Spanish campus because I am here with you guys today. And she hasn't slept for a week. She hasn't ate for a week because she was so nervous. Uh, but she fell in love with me more because she depended on me more to show her uh, how to speak. So, uh, but I did bring a, a picture of them. Uh, that is them there. That's my wife with the black uh, hat and my kids. Uh, my kid Caleb Vaca, the one that's holding the peace sign, he's a lawyer. If you guys need a lawyer, just text, send me a text, email me. He's free. He doesn't charge. This guy is a shark. He is a great lawyer. He's always trying to put me together, and he makes sense. Uh, and the other one is smiling or laughing. Uh, he's the gummy bear. If you need a hug, I can loan them to you. 
He gives, he gives good hugs. He's so, he's like the marshmallow. You just want, I kiss him and I bite him and I squeeze him. Uh, but uh, that's my family. And, and right off the back, uh, just in case you're wondering, this guy looks like he's from Middle East. This guy looks Middle Eastern. I am not from Middle East. Uh, I get confused a lot, but I, I am, was born in Chicago and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, me and my wife, this year, uh, on this year, but this month, here on Thursday, we are, are celebrating our 15-year anniversary as well. So um, again, before I start our message, thanks to uh, Pastory Monica and the whole leadership team here for, for having us. Uh, I know I am not built with muscles like Pastory. <laughs> I am not as good looking as him, uh, but I will try my best to uh, speak like him as well. So we are on our fourth week of Family Month. Raise your hand if you've enjoyed Family Month so far. Isn't it incredible? I know my family, particularly me, uh, God has challenged me and, and to become a better father, son, and um, become a healthier family. But uh, ever worked at a, a company where everything was going well, and they, they announced a new policy or a new change? If I raise their hands, a lot of us. Okay, so you guys will understand what uh, I felt that week. In 2019, um, you know, it's Monday. Everybody's happy on Monday to go to work, right? Not, not, not most of us. But with a coffee, it does it all better, you know. Uh, I went in the office. You go in at 8, right? But I don't know about you. Me, I go in at 8, but I start working at 10. You guys do that? No? Yeah, that's me. All right. We're, we're, we're going good so far. Um, so all of a sudden, we get an email from the uh, CEO of the company. He says, hey, guys, in a week. I'm going to announce a change that is happening in the company. And I don't know about you, this happens where you work, but once you see an email like that, you kind of start getting anxious. It's like, dude, why are you tease me? Just tell us what it is and done. Why do, you, why do you make me wait a week to see what's going on? You want me to pray more to see if it's going to affect me or not. And I'm not nosy, nothing like that, but I started texting my coworkers, hey, man, do you know what is going on? what's going on? It, 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 I don't, they're telling me, I don't, but if you do, tell me, I'm a deal. If you know, I'll tell you. If I know, I'll tell you. And for a week, we were like, you know, what's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? So Monday came along, and, you know, the CEO flies down from Tampa, Florida, to Riverside, California. My, my job is only like eight minutes from my house, so it was perfect job. It was close. And he announced, he said, hey, uh, we're making a change. We're moving the company to Tampa, Florida. And I'm all like, what? No. And I don't know about you, but if this has happened to you, but I started thinking what's going to happen with my job, my kids, the lawyer. What is he going to do to me? My, my, my gel, my, my uh, marshmallow. What am I going to tell him? I'm losing my job. What's going on? My wife. My goals, my, my everything, my paycheck. And, and I did what a lot of us would do, right? I started playing that. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? How am I, how is this going to end up? I mean, I don't want to go to Florida. The beaches are cool and nice, but I'd rather have a river here in Riverside. 
And all, all this was difficult. And what made it even harder is that I didn't have control of the situation. They didn't ask me, hey, Ozzy, what do you think about us moving to Florida? They didn't need my opinion. I had no control of the situation, and I felt powerless. And we've all felt these moments, right? We've all thought, you know what? There are things I would change if I were in charge, but I'm not, so I can't. And we, sometimes we just feel that powerless, that we don't have control. Uh, and, and that happens a lot, you know, in our jobs. But it also happens in our families. We don't feel that we have control. We feel powerless. Maybe you've said things like, man, I I don't like how they're running our finances. I don't like what they're doing with our money. But she or he is paying the bills. They're budgeting. I can't say much. I I don't like how my kids are talking to each other. But I'm at work 12 hours. I don't don't run the show at home. But, you know, I don't have that control. Maybe... You've been to college and you graduated university and to this day you're like, but I still wished I went to that college and not that one. But I didn't have control of it. You know, I don't like how he or she does things in the house because they're always putting our family in jeopardy. Sometimes we just don't feel that control. We feel powerless at home. And then you have the God factor, right? While you're going through all that at home with family, you have a vision from God. You have a calling from God. God is telling you, hey, this is your future. This is where you're going to end up at. You're going to impact your community. You're going to open your business, which is awesome. And then you're like, yeah, God, woo Oh, you guys don't get excited like me? Yoo-hoo! <laughs> but then you're like, yeah, God, woo but but... How is it going to happen with these, with how my situation is at home? I don't feel control. I feel powerless. How are you going to make this happen? And you know, you could quit a job, right? You can't, you can't like quit your family though. So how do we change these things that we're not in, in charge of? What, what do you do when you want to walk away, but you know that things that at home, I kind of need to change. And fortunately, if you're here for the first time um, and you're thinking this, you're not the first person who, who has thought about this, who has processed this, who has wrestled with this uh, situation. And we're, I want to go to the scripture, to the word of God, and look at a story about a young man named David. He was young, he was anointed, he had a calling, but he, he was also part of a family that in the beginning was not healthy. Uh, his family didn't see, quite see him, they didn't think he had success, and one day, uh, God was going to anoint him, and his dad just gets all his brothers lined up, and prophet, the prophet Samuel comes, and this is what happens. Let's take up here on 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10 through 13, and it says, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still a youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep, Samuel said. Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. 
So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Doesn't that sound like Pastor E? (laughs) Only Monica. (laughs) Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn uh, of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So you have David's dad, Jesse, right? Started lining up his sons. Prophet comes and he says, hey, I have this one here who's kind of chubby. He likes to eat. What about him? No, not him. I have this one here. You know, he's tall. He's handsome, but he doesn't work. Oh, not him. For sure not him. And I have this one that went to college but didn't do his homework. He got straight F's. No, definitely not him. Do you have somebody else, Prophet Samuel asked? Somebody else that, you know, that we could talk to, see? Oh, yeah. There's, there's the smallest one over there who's kind of like, I don't think you want him as, you know, I don't think you should anoint him. He's over there, you know, he's good looking, but he's taking care of the sheep and things like that. Nobody appreciated David. So Sam, uh, Prophet Samuel said, hey, well, bring him. Let's take a look at him. But when they saw him, imagine they saw Pastor E like, whoa, here it is. Anoint him. And they anointed, Prophet anointed David. See, God identified David he marked them for something special. God had big plans for his life. The prophet saw it. David knew it. But the dad and the brothers didn't see it. That's incredible. They didn't see it. And maybe we feel this way this morning. Right? We, we feel like, hey, I am desperate for big things. God has called me for, to do a big ministry, to open a business, to help out in a community. But you see it, right? But the, your family says, dude, are you sure? You? Nah, really? And it brings doubt into your life, right? And your family speaks into like negativity. They don't see your potential. And it sparks these conflicts, sparks these fights within your family. And isn't it uh, funny and interesting that sometimes you explain, you share your goals, you share what you want to do, what your God has called you to do to your family, and they don't see it. But you explain and you share it to your friends and they see it. Well, let me show you because that's in scripture as well. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, it says this. One of the servants answered, I have seen. Everybody say, I have seen. seen. A son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre, which is the harp. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. So at that time, Saul was king of Israel, but he was going through dark moments. He was going through a dark time in his life. And he was saying, guys, do you guys have a doctor? Do you guys know of anybody that could come and help me? And one of his servants says, oh, excuse me, I know a guy, which is David, that could come and help you. I know a guy. Who's a, he plays the harp. He's a great musician. I know a guy that God is with him. I know a guy that could help you. And this happens in our family. David saw what God called him to be. 
other people saw what God had for David, the only people that didn't see it in David was his brothers, his dad. See, sometimes we receive more credit and those positive vibes, right? We receive, you can do it, from the people that are not our family. But I want you to see how David reacts. What does he do? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 to 8, says this. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp, to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. So picture this with me. Here we have David, the next king of Israel, right? The next head of the state. Someone who has like utmost authority, this high-ranking individual doing something that a king is not supposed to be doing. Hey, David, uh, yeah, man, I don't see you're going to be successful, but do me a favor. Can you just become a messenger for me? Can you just get some bread, some sushi, and some in and out? And take it to your brothers who are at war. I don't know about you, but David, he's that young age or so, 15 years old. If I am him, I am thinking, dude, say what? This is not what the next king of Israel should be doing. I don't feel like you guys see the value in me, dad. I, I, I'm not made to, to be doing these low-level tasks that you're giving me. I don't like the decisions you're making within our family. I don't like the way you're running this family. I feel I should have more influence. So then you got David, right? Taking the bread in and out of the sushi. Anybody like sushi here? Anybody doesn't? Oh, we need to pray for you guys. <laughs> so yeah, so David is on his way taking, taking the bread to his brothers, right? And then guess what? He forgets the water. Halfway, he comes back, he gets the water because he wants to make the job well done. Hey, here's your bread and here's your water. Although, dad, although I'm anointed, although God has big things for me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve you. See, David might have felt that way, underappreciated, but he certainly did not act that way. Well, he seemed to understand at such a young age that God had called him to, to, to be some, some a king. And uh, he was attached to this path, to this process. If you want to receive this thing, you're going to have to walk this journey. And for you and for I this morning, just because God gives you a peek at your destiny doesn't mean you're ready for it. David's approach was like, I deserve this. He, his approach, excuse me, was not like, I deserve this. Oh, I am owed this. Oh, I am the chosen one. I'm going to the top. See you at the top. You know what, what his approach was? He said, although my family doesn't see this in me, although my family doesn't just talk about me this way, I'm going to do everything in my control to serve I will do everything in my power 
under the, the set of circumstances I am living in to grow into what God has for me. And I think this is a question you and I should ask us. What can I do inside my current set of circumstances to grow into what God has for me? What can we do? Let's see what David done. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says this. If you're faithful in small scale matters, you'll be faithful with far bigger things. Bigger, bigger responsibilities. If you're crooked in small responsibilities, you'll be no different in bigger things. You know, at such a young age, I think this is what David understood. He goes and serves his family. He takes some bread. He takes some water. He's being trusted with the small things in his life first. Not the big things. Not the such important things. But the small scale matters. See, instead of angrily seizing power, he humbly starts serving those in authority. In fact, he humbly starts serving his dad. He humbly starts serving his brothers who don't see him as somebody that has a calling from God. See, I think when it comes to our destiny, you and I are more concerned with getting there. God is more concerned with how you get there. We typically just want to go to the top. We have dreams and we want to do whatever we want to reach them. And I think the path that we need to take is to just serve others in doing those little things that God has asked you to do because that's the Christian-like attitude to have. Maybe... As people, humans, we feel like, oh, you know, I don't want to do that. I am meant for more. God has called me for more. I am beyond that. I am too important for that. But God seems to think otherwise. He said, if you're faithful in these small things, You'll be faithful in these big things. See, God wants something big for you. It's so important when, when we think of God, it's like big, 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 big. But you know, small is also as important to God. What, what does that mean for us? How you do what's in front of you will determine what's next for you. See, in our daily basis, with our families, in our jobs, here at our church, God is testing our faithfulness day in and day out. How are we doing the things that are in front of us? David said, you know what? I'm not supposed to be taking the water. I'm not supposed to be taking the fish or bread, but I will do it. David knew he was, in he was not in charge of how his family thought or spoke, or spoke about him, but he was in charge of how he was serving his family. He was, he was in charge of how he was serving up until God said, you are ready. 
It means that we do our best with the work that's in front of us, not the work you wish you could do. You know what this takes, though? It takes patience. It takes being humble. Because David's all like, oh, but I could do this. Okay, I'll just wait. I'll serve. But you know what? No, I'll just be humble. How are we doing the things now? We all want, hey, I want what's next. But God is saying, hey, yeah. How are you doing what you're doing right now with your hands, your ministry, your goals, your job, everything? And maybe you're wondering, what's at stake here? What am I missing? How does this change everything? Well, it did change for David. And I know God wants to change that for us this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 14 says this. I love this verse. It says, in everything he did, David had great success. Everybody say, great success. success. This I say, great success. This side. Sounds good. Notice in everything, not in some parts of David's life. Not just in this area, not just in this area. In every area, in everything he did, he had great success. Because the Lord was with him. Although his family didn't think so. Although his family spoke and said, nah, I don't think so. I don't see it. Although this happened, David obeyed God. He behaved himself wisely. He led by example. Everything he did, he did it faithfully in the courtyard. When he was shepherding, when nobody was looking at him, he was giving excellence even around his family. And he was extremely blessed. He basically had it all. And for you and I, when we think of success, uh, we, we, we think of success as, yeah, I got it. Woohoo! I got the title. I am crown king. <laughs> I am famous now. I got 300 Instagram followers. Yeah. I got my way. I got the money. I got the yachts. I got the house. It, it's all good. If you got the money, the house, and the yachts, just, I would like to be your friend. But see, one of God's versions of success is representing him well in every situation. Although your family, your friends, your extended family, your your sister-in-law, your mother-in-law, those people you're in relationship with, although they don't see it, You do your part to represent God well. In serving him, in honoring him, in staying faithful. In those small level matters. This is success. When you represent God well. And this is what David did. So I opened this message with the story of my job. How many want to hear how it ended up for me? Come back next week. (laughs) Pastor, you can finish it for me. No, I'll I'll, I'll finish it. So, you know, some time uh, passed by, maybe a month or so. 
And when I heard the news, it, it, you know, it kind of shook me. I'll be honest. It shook me for a day. Because my trust is somewhere else. In God. But I didn't lower my work ethics. I didn't say, you know what, I got to go look for another job. Oh, they're moving to the company. I'm not going to do my job. Oh, whatever's going to happen. Yeah. My focus was still 110%. I kept doing my job. I still had to pastor a church. I still had to serve people. Because this is what God expects. So a couple of months go by and the CEO comes into the office. And he says, well, I heard you're not going to Tampa. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I just can't. He said these words. He says, well, because you represented who we are as a company well, because you work just great, we want you. You don't have to go to Florida with us. Crown King. No. <laughs> I'm all like, ah. and in my mind, I'm all like, hey, God. Speak to him because he's just telling me this. What's my assurance? What if he could tell me this and then later on just say, hey, you're done. And he says, by the way, I want you to feel secure. I want you to feel good. This is your home. So I'm going to give you a two-year contract signing that you ain't going nowhere. And in those two years, I got like three raises. Good, I didn't leave. <laughs> See, because in the end, how you do things with your family at work matters. See, character and faithfulness always wins in the end. And he said, you know what? There's a lot of people talking, Ozzy, people that are not happy with the decision, people that are sending emails to HR, criticizing everything, but you didn't say anything. David might have felt this way with his family, all like talking to him this way, but he didn't act this way. He, he gave 100% to everything he was doing. He was taking a personal accountability through positive actions. Yeah, you're talking about, you're talking about me this way? I'm going to do this. I'm going to counter effect by doing this. Everybody, get your right hand like this. Everybody. And now do this. Now show me your muscle. I don't have a lot. Pastory has a lot more than me. But what is one way we could flex the spiritual muscle, this message this week? Identify one small thing you could start doing on a higher, higher level right now. David said, I'll take the fish. I'll take the food. I'll take the water. No problem. But I'm on my way to something greater. Let me step this up. Let me, let me step up how I take the bread and the food to my brothers. Although they didn't see this in me, I don't care. I'm doing this for Jesus. What is one way you could step up and start doing something at a much bigger and better level? Maybe at your job. Maybe within your family. 
Maybe it's doing something more. Maybe it's doing something better. But maybe, just maybe, it's doing something with a whole new attitude. See, because at the end, when it was time to crown David as king, his family was all like, oh yeah, I knew it. I told you, remember I told you? By the way, you went to college, brother? Have you graduated? No, all right. But I'm king now. It wasn't just that he was anointed. It was just that he weared the anointing well. And this morning, God has not only anointed you and blessed you and give you a vision and wants to better you, wants to give something bigger. But while you get there, with whoever you're in relationship with, whatever you do, you do it well. You do it good. You do it with excellence. So, about two months ago, I left my job and actually became a full-time pastor. It was a good job. Took care of my family. And when I left, a lot of people from the company were shocked. Ozzy, what? You're leaving? What? Why? No way. HR calls me. I thought she was calling me about my last check. But she says something that I will never forget. She says, Ozzy, I've known you for seven years. And you always acted the same. With integrity. You always did things well. This company is going to miss you. No matter what was happening, no matter all the CEO changes, transitions, you kept working, you kept serving. Because we represent Jesus well everywhere we go, including in our families. 